Hello everyone, thank you for listening to today's message. My name is Pastor Dwayne Life, lead pastor at the Life Point Community Church. What you're going to hear today is a message from one of our recent services. And we believe that by listening to today's message, you're going to be blessed and encouraged from the Word of God. You're going to be strengthened, and we believe that God's going to speak to you in a very fresh, new, and real way through today's message. So thanks again for listening. Be blessed and encouraged, and we love you. God bless. Welcome to week three of When Love Speaks. I'm so glad that you're here. But I do need to tell you something. I need for everybody in the building to have an index card in your hand. If you didn't have one in your bulletin, just make sure you got one close by. If you don't, raise your hand and Mr. Mike's going to make sure you got one. There we go. There we go. Raise your hand. Mike will get you one. So here we go. When Love Speaks, week three. Week one, Sean kind of kicked it off and said, when love speaks, it acts. Right? When love speaks, it says act. And then last week... We talked about, uh, we talked to married couples a lot, and Mikey still has not recovered from most of that sermon, so um, I would apologize, but when you apologize for things that you wouldn't do again, and if I had to do it all over again, I would, I would do exactly what we did last week. I love you, son. We said, when love speaks, it says, I am here, and I gave you uh, four kind of things to do for a what kind of marriage? Weird. How many weird marriages are in the room? Because normal is busted, and normal is broken, and normal is defeated and divorced. And how many want a weird marriage? Well, you a bunch of weird people, so it ought to be easy. I was just kidding. Y'all, don't, y'all got quiet on me just when I said that. I gave you four things. I told you to seek God first. I did. I, I told you to trust God completely. Completely, I told you to serve God together and to love deeply, deeply. This week, if you got your Bibles, I want you to flip to Ephesians chapter 4. It's in your bulletin. Um, If you follow on on a smartphone or Bible app, then that's fine too. But get to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. Here's a question. Anybody watching the debates kind of carefully anybody yeah i'm kind of watching them too i tend to instead of watching them for three hours at night i'll watch them i'll watch the cliff notes on fox news the next morning or something so but how many of you have noticed that you you pretty much the 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 guys that are in the debate are going to answer whatever question they want to answer doesn't matter what question is asked does that make sense that that you may ask them about one issue but I'm going to answer about whatever I want to talk about. You know, kind of dodging the issue a little bit. And kind of, and they all do that. They, they all do that. But, but I think one is, is better at it than others. In fact, he probably, he probably trumps all the other ones altogether. What's I was just kidding. Don't send me emails. Hey, but me and you, you and I, we don't have that luxury, do we? How many know that sometimes we got to deal with our issues? Um, it'd be nice to be able to dodge them and to move them to the side, but every so often, you and I have to deal with our issues, and that's what we're going to do today. Um, Ephesians 4, verse 30 to 32 says this, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So if he says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you're sealed, who's he talking to? 
You talking to unbelievers or are you talking to the church? He's talking to the church. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Well, how would you do that? How would you grieve the Holy Spirit? Here's what he says in verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. So what can we do to not grieve the Holy Spirit? Here's what he says. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Here we go. Forgiving each other. Just as Christ in God, in, in Christ, God forgave you. Forgiving each other. You might want to circle that in your bulletin. Forgiving each other. Forgiving each other. So we're going to talk about forgiveness today. And, and let me just give you a little, little background. When I first gave my heart to the Lord, when I first became a Jesus follower, um, at my home church, we talked about this a lot. And, and so I really thought that the bulk of Christianity revolved around this one thing, around forgiveness. And so, so much so that I would even, I would, I would go home and I'd lay down in my bed at night and I would pray, God, forgive me of my sin. And, and, and I was, it was such a big deal at my home church that I would say, even if I, if I don't know what I've done to, to sin, if I don't remember it, God, forgive me. And if I've, if I've offended somebody else, God, I don't even know about it. Would you forgive me? In fact, I, forgiveness was a big deal. In fact, we talked about something in my home church a lot. It's, it's called restitution. We don't hear a lot about that anymore. But that was if you wrong somebody, that the Christian thing to do is to try to make it right, to try to make a wrong thing right. So in my early Christian experience, in my early part of following Jesus, I I really thought that the bulk of Christianity was living a lifestyle that's been forgiven and forgiving other people and trying not to offend others. I've since learned that I wasn't all that far off. That living a life, a forgiven lifestyle, having a heart of forgiveness, and seeking restitution when I've done others wrong is really the way we ought to live. Right? So... Today, um, today's going to be a little painful. I'm just going to lay that out there. Today's going to be a little painful. But here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to let the fact that we might have to dig some stuff up out of your past and force you to confront it. Don't push that aside. Because here's what I really sense the Holy Spirit wants to do today. I, I really feel like he wants to bring healing. I really sense that God wants to deal with our forgiveness and our unforgiveness. Dwayne, what's that have to do with love? <laughs> See, if, if I have ought against you, I can't love you. In fact, if I have ought against you, I can't love me. And frankly, if I have ought against you, I really can't love God. So we're going to have to deal with some of this today. And, and see, I, I, I kind of have this sense that some of you are already putting up the guards. You're going to go somewhere, Dwayne, that I just don't really want to go. And I'm going to, I'm going to ask you not to do that. Um, here's what forgiveness is according to the American Psychology Association. Listen to this. It's the intentional and voluntary process by which a victim undergoes a change in feelings and attitudes regarding an offense. Let's go of negative emotions such as vengefulness with an increased ability to wish the offender well. I want to point out three words in there, and then I'm going to give you a little bit easier definition, okay? 
I want you, I want to point out these three words. First of all, intentional. Guess what? Forgiveness is a choice. Forgiveness is a choice. You make a decision to forgive. Forgiveness is voluntary. Nobody can force you to do it. Hey, parents in the room, how many of you had, had to force your children to apologize to one another when they got in a fight? You can force them to apologize, but how many know you can't force them to forgive? So it's intentional, and it's voluntary, and there's a word in there that I just want you to... It says, a process by which a victim undergoes a change. I want you to listen to me. Here's what forgiveness really is. It's when you decide you're not going to be a victim anymore. You make a choice not to be a victim anymore. You make a choice to not let someone else's offense cause you to live a lifestyle of victim. How many know that's exactly what the, how the enemy would love you to live your life defeated and broken and victimized? And that's not what God would have for you. It's when you decide... I'm not going to be a victim anymore. So here's, if if you're taking notes, write this down. Forgiveness is the choice to let it go. Look at somebody and say, let it go. Let it go. Y'all know I was going to do that. Yes, you did. The choice to let it go. First of all, we're going to talk about what forgiveness is not. Okay? Number one, forgiveness is not condoning. Forgiveness is not excusing bad behavior. Forgiveness is not, it's okay, it's fine, don't worry about it. In fact, how many of you, if somebody apologizes to you, those are the words you use. It's okay, it's fine, don't worry about it. All those are wrong. In fact, early in our marriage, Donna, I I apologize a lot because I was wrong a lot. And, And so I would say, Donna, I'm sorry. And she would say, it's okay. And I would say, so if it's okay, it's fine for me to do it again. Well, no, that's not what I meant. Just because you forgive someone doesn't mean you excuse bad behavior. Doesn't mean that it's okay. It's not okay. It hurt. It was wrong. You're just making the choice to not let that offense affect you anymore. It's not condoning it at all. Forgiveness doesn't mean somehow lessening the severity of the offense. If you're my age or close to my age, in high school, you probably had to read The Hiding Place by Corey Ten Boom. If you're not familiar with that story, Corey Ten Boom and her family in World War II were arrested and put in Nazi concentration camps, not because they were Jewish, but because they were Christians that were hiding Jews during World War II. And so they they were found out and arrested and put in Nazi concentration camps. Corey Ten Boom watched her father die in a Nazi concentration camp. Corey Ten Boom watched her sister die in a Nazi concentration camp. In fact, witnessed and experienced unthinkable atrocities toward humanity in a Nazi concentration camp through the hands of the Nazi guards. In fact, were it not for a clerical error, she would have died in that camp. A clerical error released her two weeks before every female in the camp was assassinated and executed. And so as a believer in Christ, she began to travel from church to church to church, talking about the love of God and the forgiveness of Christ. And then one day she's 
talking about Ravensbrook, the concentration camp that she was held captive in. And a man walks toward her in an overcoat and a top hat. But she didn't see an overcoat and a top hat. She saw a Nazi uniform because the man that was walking to her was a guard at Ravensbrook. And at his hand, she experienced unthinkable atrocities. And he walks toward her. And he says, Fraulein, I've given my heart to Jesus. And if you can forgive me, I know God can forgive me. In her book, Corey Timboom says, I froze because I could not forgive. And then I remembered the words of Christ that if I didn't forgive him, that Christ couldn't forgive me. And so Corey Timboom, with what could only be described as the grace of God, stretched her hand toward this man that was responsible for unthinkable atrocities and shook his hand. And she says in that moment, she experienced the forgiveness of Christ in an incredibly powerful way. Was there ever a moment when she said, don't worry about it. It's no big deal because it was a big deal. Just because we forgive doesn't mean we condone bad behavior. And see, some of us want to hang on to unforgiveness because we feel like if we forgive that we somehow say it was all right what the person did and that's not what we're saying at all i'm just not going to let you and your offense cause me to be a victim anymore it's not condoning listen it's not forgetting how many have heard the phrase forgive and forget can you do that can you do that can you forgive and forget But, but doesn't, doesn't the Bible say that God takes our sins and casts them into a sea of forgetfulness and everybody remembered again? Yes, it sure does, but you're not God. And, and, and sometimes when we don't forget, we think we haven't truly forgiven. And I'm going to take you off the hook there. Forgiveness doesn't mean forgetting. Forgiveness isn't necessarily a way to completely stop the pain. If you've been offended, if you've been hurt, hey, I believe that forgiveness is a doorway, a a step on the path toward healing. That doesn't mean the pain's going to go away right away. Don't unexpectedly, unrealistically expect the hurt to stop right away because it may not. Something else forgiveness is not. Forgiveness isn't immediate trust. Well, Dwayne, I don't understand. Let me see if I can explain it to you this way. Let's say you stand up and confess to the church that you've stolen money from the church. Guess what? We're going to forgive you, and we're going to love you. We're going to embrace our, wrap our arms around you. We're going to encourage you to make restitution, and we're going to love you, and we're going to forgive you. You're probably not going to count the offering. Does that make sense? Do you, do you need to work toward trust? Absolutely. It doesn't happen overnight. How many of you understand that trust takes about a second and a half to break and it takes time to rebuild? Amen. You're going to push back on, on this one. Trust isn't simply a response to repentance. 
Well, I'll forgive as soon as they ask for it. Listen, they may never. In fact, somebody might have hurt you, and they don't even believe what they've done to you is wrong. So you have a choice to forgive or to carry that nonsense around the rest of your life, waiting on an I'm sorry that may never come. Don't give somebody that kind of power in your life. If repentance comes, it's wonderful. Thank you for that. If it doesn't, guess what? That means you're a victim the rest of your life. Don't give somebody that kind of power. And then lastly, listen, repentance is not reconciliation. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. It takes one person to repent. It takes... One person to forgive. It takes two to reconcile. And while forgiveness and repentance can be a doorway toward reconciliation, listen, if you've hurt me, I need to forgive you whether or not you're interested in reconciliation or not. Because if I don't, I'm still a victim. And I'm not going to let you have that kind of power over me. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to forgive. Voluntarily, intentionally, I'm going to forgive. Is that resonating with anybody? See, I believe there's, there's three seasons, there's three times in your life, three, and sometimes these cross each other, these three seasons when forgiveness is at work in the life of the believer. Number one, it's, this, it's when we need forgiveness from other people. Hey, look. Let's just admit that we've all hurt others at some point in our life. Sometimes it's unintentional. And sometimes, if you're like me, you've done it on purpose. You're mad and you intentionally hurt somebody, either with your words or otherwise. And And can I tell you, when that happens, we need to be forgiven. In fact, here's what Scripture says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, what does it say to do? Leave your gift in front of the altar, go and be reconciled to them, and then come and offer your gift. So if I read that passage correctly, does that tell me that if if I've hurt someone and have made no attempt to make things right, that it affects my relationship with God? I think that's exactly what it says. Now listen... Maybe, maybe you've hurt someone and made an attempt and it, was, it wasn't well received. You know, you've done all you can do. You, you know what I learned a long time ago? You've got power over one person in your whole life, and that's you. You can't force anybody to receive your, 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 uh, a plea for forgiveness. You can't force anybody to reconcile. All you can do is make an attempt. And I believe scripturally that's our job, that's our, is to make an attempt to reconcile when we've wronged other people. In fact... If we want to make things right with God, if I read that scripture correctly, we've got to make an attempt to make things right with others. So that's, that's the first time. We also, forgiveness is at work in the life of the believer when we offer forgiveness to other people. Mark chapter 11, verse 25. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, don't you just love it when the Bible uses those kind of phrases? Anything 
against anyone. What does it say, D? Forgive them. Does it say wait for an apology? It says if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that you can feel better about yourself, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. So if I read that correctly, if I harbor unforgiveness and bitterness in my heart, does it affect my walk with Christ? See, we forgive others not because they deserve forgiveness, but because you didn't deserve forgiveness and Christ forgave you. This is not easy. You know, if, if, if somebody has, has hurt you in such a way that, that you think about it every day, what I'm telling you to do today is not easy. And I'd be a liar if I told you that it was. But I want you to hear me and hear me well. Unforgiveness is a cancer in your soul. And it'll kill you. It'll kill you spiritually. And listen, it can kill you physically. Do you know there's been studies shown that, that harboring resentment and this kind of stress in your soul can cause all sorts of physical ailments? I'm telling you that... You have to let this go. Well, Dwayne, what, what if I can't? What if, I, what if it's just too big? I saw a remarkable story this past week. Many of you know I am a sports fan. And this, for me anyway, this season right now is kind of the dead zone. Super Bowl's over with. Spring training's just starting to kick off, so there's really, anybody with me, you're just kind of in the sports dead zone? Yes. So occasionally, I'll watch NBA. It's either that or Downton Abbey, and I told you last week how I feel about Downton Abbey. Well, there's, there's this incredible story that I saw, um, and, and you may have seen it as well. Um, there's an assistant coach for the Oklahoma Thunder. His name is Coach Monty Williams. Anybody see Coach Monty's story? Um, Coach Monty was married, beautiful wife, five beautiful children. Um, Coach Monty's wife, Ingrid, I believe was her name, was traveling in their Chevy Suburban with all five children in in the car with her. In a 40-mile-an-hour zone, um, there was a Malibu coming the opposite direction, at what the police said was somewhere between 88 and 92 miles an hour in a 40-mile-an-hour zone. And the, the lady driving the Malibu crossed the center line at 90 miles an hour and hit the Suburban with Ingrid Williams there because she had a dog in her lap. Uh, the lady driving the Malibu was instantly killed. Ingrid Williams died just a few minutes later at the local hospital. Two of the five children were taken to the hospital with serious injuries but have since uh, recovered. And so in one fell swoop, this man lost his wife and mother of his five children because a lady hit her doing 90 miles an hour in a 40-mile-an-hour zone because she had a dog in her lap. This is the first time many of you heard the story and, you, and, and you're getting angry. What a waste. Well, I had an opportunity to see 
Coach Monty speaking at his wife's funeral. And I'm going to play just a little bit of a clip for you. And, and I want you to pay attention to his response to the Donaldson family about two minutes into the clip. Part of the day in Oklahoma today, uh, where uh, memorial service was held for Ingrid Williams, uh, the <coughs> wife of Monty Williams, who was an Oklahoma City assistant coach and had obviously ties to the San Antonio Spurs. Um, she died last week in a head-on accident uh, when a woman crossed the center line and hit her. And they had five kids. And uh, you talk, you heard about. Uh, how powerful Monty Williams was um, when he spoke today. And so we felt it would be appropriate, uh, rather than talking hoops in this segment, just to give you a piece of what uh, Monty Williams had to say in the wake of uh, just unspeakable tragedy. This is hard for my family, but this will work out. And my wife would punch me if I were to sit up here and whine about what's going on. That doesn't take away the pain. But it will work out because God causes all things to work out. You just can't quit. You can't give in. See, the Bible says Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And America teaches us to just numb that, and it's not true, but it is true. All you got to do is look around you. Get outside of these walls, and you know it's true. This will work out. Doesn't mean it's not hard. Doesn't mean it's not painful. Doesn't mean we don't have tough times and we're going to have tough times. What we need is the Lord. And that's what my wife tried to exhibit every single day. I'm going to close with this, and I think it's the most important thing that we need to understand. Everybody's praying for me and my family, which is right. But let us not forget that there were two people in this situation. And that family needs prayer as well. And we have no ill will towards that family. In my house, we have a sign that says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We cannot serve the Lord if we don't have a heart of forgiveness. That family didn't wake up wanting to hurt my wife. Life is hard. It is very hard, and that was tough, but we hold no ill will towards the Donaldson family. And we, as a group, brothers united in unity, should be praying for that family because they grieve as well. So let's not lose sight of what's important. God will work this out. My wife is in heaven. God loves us. God is love. And when we walk away from this place today, let's celebrate. Because my wife is where we all need to be. And I'm envious of that. But I got five crumb snatchers I got to deal with. <laughs> I love you guys for taking time out of your day to celebrate my wife. We didn't lose her. When you lose something, you can't find it. I know exactly where my wife is. I'll miss holding her hand. I'll miss talking with my wife. Um, Sam and Coach... Donovan probably couldn't figure out why I always wanted to get out of the office, uh, me and Mo Cheeks. Um, Mo probably wanted to go do something else, but we always wanted to get out of the office. I just enjoy being with my wife. I enjoy being with my family. 
and most of the times we didn't do anything. We'd just be at the house sitting around um, doing nothing. I'm going to miss that. Let's not lose sight of what's important. God is important. What Christ did on the cross is important. Let's not lose sight of that family that also lost someone that they love. I love you guys. I hope I get a chance to hug and shake a hand and give a kiss on the cheek. But let's keep what's important at the forefront. Thank you. He said, we cannot serve the Lord without a heart of forgiveness. So let me ask you a question. Was he condoning what happened? Is he hurting? Is he ever going to forget that? Did you see a heart of of forgiveness? Yeah, me too. Wow. Was it senseless? Yes. Was it, come on, let's be real. Was it stupid? Yeah. But you know what I saw when I watched that? This man, because I... This sermon was already together when I saw this. And I was like, this man's chosen not to be a victim. Then you love what he said? When you lose something, you don't know where it's at. I know exactly where my wife is. See, can I tell you, that story is much different if he harbors bitterness and rage against that family. Guess what? He dies a victim. But he's free. So we, we need forgiveness when we seek it from others, when we offer it to others. Now listen, we need forgiveness from God. When we need forgiveness from God. 1 John 1 and 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. But you don't know what I've done. You don't know how far I've gone. You don't know the things that are in my heart, in my head, and that I've done with my hands. You don't know what I have to be forgiven of. And you're absolutely right. And please don't think I'm, I'm, I'm belittling your sin, because, but, but you need to hear this from me. It doesn't matter. Because there's no sin that you can fathom in your mind that's so horrendous. There's no sin that's more powerful than a bloody cross and an empty tomb. So it doesn't matter what you've done. Christ can forgive. Not only can he forgive, he died to forgive. So I, I, I don't know what it is that that you need forgiveness of. I just want you to hear from my heart that it's available. And see, here's the problem. Many of us don't have a problem forgiving somebody else. And we don't really have a problem going to somebody that we've offended and asking for their forgiveness. But sometimes the person you can't forgive is the person staring back at you in the mirror. Just know that there's nothing you can do that outweighs the heaviness of the cross of Christ. There's nothing you can do that's so dark that the light of Christ can't blind. So I told you, we began this whole deal with what forgiveness 
isn't. Here's what it is. Or, or what it should be. I want to read a, a passage to you. I've been crying. I hope I can read it. Um, how many of you remember in school, or those of you still in school, reading comprehension tests? I hated that. I'm going to read you a story. You might know it as the prodigal son. Some people call it the story of the loving father. And I'm going to read you the story, or portion of it. And when it's over, I'm going to ask you one question. Because here's what I'm going to tell you forgiveness should be. Actually, I'm going to read this first. And then I'm going to ask you one question. Are you ready? To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, listen carefully, there's going to be one question. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land. He began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him. And the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, how many of you there was a point in your life you came to your senses? When he finally came to his senses, that wasn't the question, by the way. He said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, man, that, is, that's, that might be the most powerful part of that, of that whole story. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to his servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And so the party began. Are you ready for your one question? When did the father forgive the son? I'm going to tell you when I believe you forgave him. The instant he walked out the door. See, I believe that that's how forgiveness should be. It should be instant. The moment an offense happens, you got a choice to let it go or to hang on to it. The longer you hang on to it, the longer you're a victim. So if somebody offends you, unrepentant, hey, get all Disney on them and let it go. <laughs> forgiveness should be instant. Listen, forgiveness should be complete. <laughs> See, we, we want to hang on to a little bit of that offense because, it, you know what, we've carried it around so long and, and we're kind of comfortable with it. 
and just in case we need it later. See, that we're not talking about marriage today, but just in case we need to rehash it later. I'm going to hang on to a little bit of this. No, it ought to be instant and it ought to be complete. Aren't you glad that when Jesus forgives you, he didn't say, hey, wait a couple of weeks and, you know, we'll take it, we'll take it away a little at a time. It's instant and it's complete. Now, listen, this, this is something that you might have a problem with. It, it may need to be given repeatedly. Some of you have heard my story and... Um, I'm, I'm not going to rehash the whole deal, but there was a point in my life when we first planted this church. Um, I came in on a Wednesday night. Mark was teaching, and he was talking about forgiveness. And honestly, the Holy Spirit dealt with my heart about something that I had held on to for years and years and years and years and years. And in, in that moment, I had to forgive. And I, I remember it, and I've told you guys that story. But I, here's what I need to tell you. you know, I need to get Paul Harvey on you and tell you the rest of the story. Every so often, when the environment dictates it, or I hear somebody's name, I'll sense that again. And I've got a choice. I can step back into victim mode, or I can forgive all over again. I'm not telling you that just because you forgive doesn't mean that that's not going to rise up from time. I'm telling when it does, you've got to forgive. And you may have to do it over and over and over again. And lastly, it's instant, it's complete, it's given repeatedly, and it's given freely. Again, we, we, want, we want somebody to earn our forgiveness. We want them to be repented enough to deserve our forgiveness. And, and I'm telling you, that may never happen. But you need to give it. Listen, and if you hadn't heard anything up to now, hear this. If you're holding on to unforgiveness, the person that hurts you is not the one you're harming. It's you. In fact, I think it was Winston Churchill said that holding unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting your enemy to die. So here's what I want you to do. Chris is going to come and play just, just real softly. Um, I gave you that index card. And what I'm going to ask you to do is going to seem silly. And you're going to think, Dwayne, I don't, there's no need in going through the, that, those motions. And I'm going to tell you to trust me. Because I believe if you'll go through this process, now there's nothing spiritual about this process. This is just, what we're doing now is just a symbol of what, of what God is doing in our heart, in our life. But here's what I want you to do with that index card. And, and before you write anything, on, I need you to know this. Nobody is going to read it. Nobody's going to ever know what's on that, on that card. Nobody. I'm I'm telling you that with absolute 100% confidence. You can write what you write. Uh, I need forgiveness for thinking Dwayne is goofy every Sunday. Nobody will ever read it. Here's what I want you to do. If, if you need to offer someone forgiveness, here's what I want you, I want you to write their name down. 
Just write their name down. Just write their name on that card. If there's somebody that you need to forgive, if there's somebody that their offense you've carried around and it's stewed and it's it's grown like a snowball rolling down a hill, I'm going to tell you to let it go. If somebody, if there's somebody that needs to forgive you, here's what I want you to do. You write their name down. And by writing their name down, here's what you're going to do. You're going to say, I'm going to do all I can to make things right. I'm going to do my part. And maybe you say, Dwayne, I need forgiveness from God. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive. Just write it down. God, forgive me for. Write it down. Write it down. Write it down. God, I need to forgive. God, I need forgiveness from. God, I need you to forgive me for. Write it down. Write it down. Write it down. And all you're doing is symbolically saying, okay, God, I let it go. I let it go. I don't want to be a victim anymore. Just write it down. Then I want you to bow your heads. Nobody's looking around. Just bow your heads. say, Dwayne, I had to write something on my card. I just want you to raise your hand. Here's what I want you to do. If you can, if you can, I want you to right now, I want you to get up out of your seat and I want you to come down here and let me pray with you. Don't, don't wait and see who else is coming. Just There was a bunch of you, so just come on.
forgiving us. Thank you that there's no sin so dark that the light of your sun can't outshine. There's no sin so heavy that the weight of the cross can't overcome. We need your forgiveness. Would you wash our sin as far as the east is from the west? never to be remembered again and for those people that we've hurt forgive us help us make it right we don't want to carry that any longer and God I'm just sure that someone in this room has carried the weight of unforgiveness for somebody else and today we make a choice to not be a victim anymore We're letting it go. And we're going to allow the blood of Jesus to cover it. And the grace of God that forgave us of our sin to give us a heart of forgiveness. You're able in Jesus' name. We love you. God, do in these lives what only you can do. guys, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. It's going to sound silly, but some of you are going to find victory through this process. I want you to take those cards. I want you to drop them in that box. Rusty's going to come by later. He's going to nail it shut. And I'm going to take it home, and I'm going to burn it in my fireplace this afternoon. I'll even put it on Facebook and let you watch it. There you go. Josh is wadding his up. He don't want that junk no more. Amen. Come on, sing with us. He loves us. Yeah, he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Somebody ought to stand your feet and worship the Lord Jesus. Yeah, he loves us.
Hey, before you're seated, just hear, just hear me for a minute. Here's what the enemy's going to do. Because he's sneaky. He's going to jump up on you tomorrow morning. He's going to say, that was just a bunch of emotion. That was just your crazy pastor putting something in a fireplace. And here's what you have permission to do. You can send him back to hell where he came from. Because I believe that the Holy Spirit's doing surgery on somebody's life today. I believe that the Holy Spirit is doing a work in somebody, and apparently quite a few. Here's what Jesus promised. Paul said, and he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. Come on, if you're you're thankful not to be a victim anymore, give the Lord praise. Amen. You can be seated. The uh, ushers are going to come forward. I forgot to give you the last little fill-in. And it, re- it really is kind of important, so I'm going to give it to you. When love speaks, it says, oh, this is good, you're going to like it. All is forgiven. Amen. God bless you.